Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whatever time of day you're listening to this. Michigan fans, it's Stephen Ostentoski here of MGO Fish, joined by the one, the only, Harry Hillman at Harrison Quinn 80. Is that your, your tag? 90. Oh Harrison. my gosh. Start it over. I'm, I'm just kidding. At Harrison Quinn 90 on Twitter, you can find him. Harry Hillman, how's it going, buddy? It's going good, my man. Living the dream. Living the dream. Running. You were talking to me about, about your uh, your quarantine run. Um, yeah. There are cops outside. I don't know if you hear that, but. <laughs> I do. They're coming for you, Steve. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> tax fraud. Oh, wow. You, got, you actually got two stimulus checks because you're tax fraud. <laughs> oh, damn it. You didn't return it, so now they're coming to you. You caught me. I'm busted. <laughs> But Harrison Quinn, thanks, thanks for coming on, man. It's a, uh, it's been a, a week or so. I remember our last podcast we were talking about uh, Isaiah Todd. Uh, we had Josh Christopher in the class still. Um, things have changed since then. There's some transfer talk, uh, new crystal balls, new commits that we have to talk about. So, so let's just let's jump right into it. The the main thing we spent a lot of time talking about last week was. Uh, was Josh Christopher, who at the time was committed. Same with Isaiah Todd. Since then, some uh, some things have happened. <laughs> Christopher, who is looking like a Michigan lean for months, uh, ended up committing to Arizona State to play with his brother. And then Isaiah Todd uh, is headed to Europe, Australia. He's not headed to Michigan. G-League. G-League? No, no, no. That fell out. Oh, G-League. Oh, really? Well, I think he signed it. We're doing research live on the podcast. Um, let's, but regardless, two, two members of the, uh, class I was looking oh, at. Yeah. It's official. He, uh, he signed a contract with the G league. Oh, good for him. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. I, I can't hate that move. No, no, no. So, so yeah, let's, let's start with Isaiah Todd. I have less things to say about him than Christopher. Um, but I, Isaiah Todd obviously was, he committed a, a while ago. He's been in the class for a long time. Um, and then, you know, it was just this past week where it was announced that he uh, he was going to the G League. And give me your initial thoughts, Harry. What what are you what are you thinking? What uh what feelings do you have <laughs> with this move? Um in terms of Christopher, it was a total gut punch. Yeah. In terms of Todd, it, it's something we talked about. We didn't think this was um probably going to happen uh last week. It's just a little disappointing, um, and I kind of got thinking, and I think that Juwan Howard is really, really lucky that the elite recruiter narrative was put on him so early because it didn't really pan out, and he got a really good class. There's no disputing that. I think there's some really talented kids. It's still number one in the Big Ten. But the Big Ten doesn't really recruit that well nationally because they're built more on three- and four-year players. So you're not getting the classes of four and five to to boost it up as much. So I think he's just kind of lucky because Kentucky backed out on both Todd and Christopher because they knew this was going to be an issue. You usually don't see Duke and UNC get caught with really uh, controversial – I don't want to say controversial, but um, I'm trying to think of a good word. Just a little bit more um, – Unsteady maybe? 
unsteady. Yeah, where they a real wild card recruits. Yeah, like it feels like the the really elite programs don't go after these guys, and and Juwan Howard did. And I mean, to his credit, he still got Isaiah Todd to commit, but he missed out on most of his top guys. He had to chase Josh Christopher, who Kentucky backed out on because they knew that was going to be an issue with him. And it's like we just got caught like holding the bag here. It's um, I I think he's just and and by the way, I don't think it's an issue. I think that it was his first class. He had to chase a little bit more. But I also think that he's kind of fortunate that the elite recruiter like label was put on him so early yeah yeah i mean there are worse things right if if you keep missing on a bunch of people then it's like okay this guy can't recruit and that's what you know the media gets out there at least at the very least the benefit is wow he was able to appeal to these guys and i still think that holds true that he resonates (laughs) with a lot of recruits and that that is still very true and isn't impacted as a part of this i think you're right where it's a lack of experience, right? Where other guys, you know, it it didn't seem fishy, but it was like, wow, these guys are already in on Michigan and, and Juwan Howard. And, you know, it turned out to be, you know, Michigan had just won Atlantis. There's a lot of hype. So, like, that surely played into uh, their individual motives for both Isaiah mm-hmm. Todd and Josh Christopher and their own brand and, and, you know, a good safety net if things fell through with the G League for Todd, whatever it may be. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and I also think that like he is an elite recruiter. Yeah. And but I think it was um like and it helped him nationally. You want to hear my quick uh theory of what he should do now? Yeah, hit me with it. I think he should go to the bank, he should get three million dollars <laughs> on Mark Barabons. <laughs> I think he should go to, to Emily Bates and he says, Okay, listen, we know you don't like Michigan. We know that you're either going to go – if you go to college, you'll either be Michigan State or Kentucky. Sure. But we will give you $3 million right now to commit to Michigan and then just go pro. <laughs> Can and then, three mil? <laughs> and then just go pro. So it's like, okay, here's $3 million. You don't play a second in college. In fact, like, like we will – like. I will come out and say like originally that you are too good for college. So I get like some of the recruiting, like, Oh my God, like he's doing everything in kids best interest. And so you get the narrative of elite recruiter got like the greatest recruit since probably LeBron. And you're like, Oh shit. And you get the goodwill of, oh, wow, like, he told him to go dominate in the NBA. He could have won a title, but, like, that's just how good of a guy Juwan Howard is. (laughs) And and also, you save him from playing against you. This is intriguing. I'd lie if I wasn't saying I wasn't intrigued. Juwan Howard was the first uh, $100 million contract in NBA history. He can swing it. That's fair. That's fair. My thing, if you're going to cheat – and your first your first run at cheating does not get you a player you're doing it wrong <laughs> i i get your point 
Well, but, I mean, he um, he he's paid for housing for at least one uh, recruit in the upcoming class. I mean, yeah, like yeah. it's about as dirty as it comes. <laughs> We're talking about a James Wiseman, Penny Hardaway situation. I mean, the NCAA is going to be on his heels. Yeah, it's almost like he, it's like he's a son to him, right? That recruit. Yeah, he's <laughs> really close. I think they need to check into that advisor role. Maybe he's uh, seeing his mom. Oh, there you go. <laughs> anyway, let's get back. Let's get back to Christopher here. So, so I I am with you that Todd, it's a good move by him. Um, you know, it it's something where Juwan Howard can learn from. You know that sure you now that you're established as you know an elite recruiter, I don't think anyone would uh, would say any differently. But to now, you know, he knows the game now. You know, he knows he has some signs that he can identify from what Isaiah Todd's. Uh, recruitment looks like to avoid in the future and get closer to, you know, why other programs are maybe avoiding uh, people like that. So for Josh Christopher, it, it like you said, it's a bit more of a gut punch just because it was a guy who was very active on Twitter and social media, just pushing, you know, Michigan forward. And it's clear he was just using it for his brand. You know, I know there was articles about how his family already is talking with agents about a personal brand and, and building that. Um, where in reality the the end goal was always to play with his brother Arizona State, who, you know, they were twenty three and eleven this year. So good basketball team. They'll be good next year. Who's their coach? He's a good coach. Yeah, no, I mean it, it all makes sense. It, it checks out. Okay. Um, it's um, I think it makes a lot of like sense for him in yeah, terms yeah. of his fit, how he's going to be featured, the fact he'll have a really good coach there, gets to play close to home. I mean, I I get it. The like you said, the reason it's such a gut punch is because of how good he is and how like Michigan seemed like a lock for him. Because I, I think if, if he commits to Arizona state in January, I think we're just like, damn, that's like a really good player who we could have gotten, but like a Namari Burnett situation yeah. where it's like, damn, we, we could have had a great player, but yeah, it stinks, but I, I'm glad Juwan Howard is going after these guys. Sure. I, I think he's going to be a great recruiter. He was put in the hole a bit this year by just it being his first year recruiting these guys who have been recruited by like Duke and Kentucky and UNC for twice as long. Yeah. So, I mean, he did have to take more risks. I just think in, in general, it's um, in terms of narrative, it's – Got got a little fortunate there, but yeah, Christopher would have been awesome, would have made this team terrific, and it stinks. Yeah, it stinks. I, Stephen, are you ready for my hottest take so sure. far? I I like when really good basketball players come play for the team I root for. <laughs> I um get and, out of town. <laughs> and, and I, I kind of don't. It doesn't feel as good when they go to another team. Okay, that that's the gist of it. Earth shattering. Just boil it down. It's. <laughs> I, I wish he played for Michigan, but oh well. Yeah, I'll yeah. live. That's fair. And I was appropriately roasted because I was very active at the. It was you know late that night when he was uh going to announce his commitment, and you know I'll, I'll give give the guy some credit. Ant Wright was correct with his source on saying that uh, Christopher St. Stain out west and obviously he did and uh it was such a situation where how many times have we seen people uh push out tweets like that for uh you know hedging your bets either you're the guy who's correct or you're the one who uh 
you know, you're either the first one that's right or people don't care because they're happy enough already. So I was very wrong on that. I got roasted appropriately for that, but it was also, it's the biggest upset in crystal ball history for basketball recruits. He had 12 Michigan predictions. So he did a really, really good job of playing the right people. <laughs> and, and what I will say, um, Ant Wright seems like a guy that would be able to get to like the very, very like top guy and just the mover and the shaker and yeah, just like yeah. connect with him. He, he, I don't know. Ant just seems like the kind of guy that would ha- just randomly have just the biggest mover and shaker in college basketball, like in his speed dial. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, credit to him, but but yeah, it was definitely an upset and the biggest one in two four seven history. So. So you take it with what you can. It's still a great class. It was Eb Jackson. You got Terrence Williams, Hunter Dickinson, and obviously Jace Howard. So, I mean, that's, you know, top class in the Big Ten. Steve, kudos to you on uh, handling being roasted. You uh, didn't delete any tweets. You apologized on Twitter. I I sent you a text. I don't know if you you saw great damage control. (laughs) Yeah, man. you, you just took it on the chin. I uh, I was proud of you. That's no, no, like pouty tweet deleting. And no, like, no, man. If you're, because that's the worst thing. The the thing that people love to see is when people are that adamant and that wrong. You love to see people dig a hole deeper <laughs> and just envelop into themselves. But no, you got to admit when you're wrong. Know when you got got, and uh, you know take it on the chin, like you said. So no, I mean, you know it, it's people who, who take those things emotionally and uh those people i don't have any sympathy for because we have no control over what josh christopher does what isaiah todd does at the end of the day it's a it's a basketball game and and we have zero control over that so you know best thing to do is wish him luck moving forward and know that michigan still pulled in the top class so <laughs> people you know expecting me to be mad or, or upset are just uh you know they things are always taken out of perspective on twitter so mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I appreciate that, but, uh, but Michigan's just fine. I think it's, it's going to be a fun class regardless. Um, gut punches are gut punches. You take them in and you keep moving. So I wanted to real quick ask you if the NCAA is in trouble because Isaiah Todd is getting what couple into the six figures, 200 grand, 150 grand, something like that. I know Greg Brown, former Michigan target power forward for the, uh, 2020 class. He's getting 400,000 as a part of his deal next year in the G league. I mean, this is an issue that I see just because you're putting the actual value on these players, right? They know that they're getting these guys for a year and you you're putting the, the money on the table where before, you know, people were going to Europe or Australia to play for a year and the numbers were re- were readily available, but it wasn't as prominent of a path for high school athletes in basketball. So Harry, give me your opinion on what you think this means for college basketball moving forward. How much trouble is the NCAA in as a part of this? Um, I actually don't think they're in very much trouble at all. I, I think this is a, a really great path for the, the top, top guys. But once the G league is able to just get 10 of the top, say like 20 guys, they're not going to be giving these contracts, I feel like, to the 103rd best prospect and someone that that probably belongs in college for a couple years. So I think it, it has the potential to get kind of crazy next year. I think next year will be a year that 
we it goes overboard a bit and we see too many guys leave. But even in the one and done era, there weren't a ton of guys going pro when it was more readily available. And it wasn't like guys just came for one year. Carmelo is kind of a, an anomaly, I feel like, in yeah, terms yeah. of guys just coming for one year and leaving. I feel like it was more of a two-and-done thing. Sure, sure. But, um, no, I think the NCAA will be fine. The, there's always going to be a top tier of players going to college, and the top schools are always going to get those tiers. Maybe it um, reduces the talent level a little bit, but in the talent level it reduces. I see more three and four year players. So I could, I could see a weird way how it helps college basketball a little bit. It'll certainly hurt in terms of there's a scenario where the Zion Williamson's of the world are no longer um, around, but for every Zion Williamson, there's an OB Toppin in terms of a guy that just comes out of nowhere to become a star, a, a John Morant. So yep. it'll never, it'll never be against the ropes. It will maybe lose the top like slice of talent, but I think the NCAA will be fine. That's fair. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point where it's like, we might be past those days where the Zion Williamson's, you know, guys who are tippy top recruits that go to Duke and, you know, the guys who are identified as those top guys will now be featured in the G league. So I think that's, that's just going to happen. Like if they get image rights, mm-hmm. you like, the whole thing switches back because if Zion Williamson can go to Duke for a year, and by the way, Duke has better facilities in better environments with better coaches than a G League uh, affiliate by the NBA. Okay, they're still playing against G League teams. True. Like, True. I, I get how they'll develop better in the G League, but that's going to be kind of a rougher path you're playing in sioux falls south dakota right i mean i remember uh when i went to college the school i went to ripping college we built this brand new basketball arena in um like state-of-the-art and the uh, g league affiliate for the bucks played 30 minutes away from us and so opposing teams would practice in our gym the night before games yeah and they're staying at like a Holiday Inn in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And it's like, you're traveling 30 minutes for a shoot around to play in front of 1,500 people. Right. Like that's that's a tough like thing. When you can go to Duke, you can go to Kansas, Kentucky, um, and you can be like the top guy and really just kind of be like a kid for an extra year. Sure. I, I think that's always going to be – like we know stuff's going on under the table. So like yeah. the NCAA will never like will never die. But like yeah, I could see it taking a decent amount of talent unless they get image rights cuz yeah. I think the shields are what really make this like a big thing for top guys. Right. So they can sign like that 40 50 million dollar deal immediately. Right. Yeah, no, that's 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 a great point. And I I hadn't considered like going to Duke, North Carolina. Like, that is a huge brand that Sioux Falls, like, I don't, I couldn't even name off the top of my head the names of the G League teams. So you're substituting that environment, that one year, like, craze around you to a possible better year of development. 
But you're right where it's like you can probably get that money anyway because you know the top teams are going to do that at most NCAA, you know, top tier programs that you're going to be looking at as, you know, a top five recruit. So you can probably get that money anyway. Um, development will still be fine, but it's not like, you know, you're still going to get drafted as a lottery pick. It's development is yeah. still going to be a thing. So it's really a small set of recruits that like will want to do it like by the books, you know, get that guaranteed deal at a G league. You won't be restricted. That's I think a big difference in development where your full time is devoted strictly to basketball. Even if, you know, it's not a, you know, a, a Mike at Duke coaching you. It's someone, you know, someone, uh, some G league coach or whatever, you'll have more time because you're not spent doing classes. You're not spent time doing other things, but it, it's going to be a weird mix, but I think you're right that it'll, it'll balance out overall where um, it'll be beneficial in the long run, but it's going to be very strange. And honestly, it might accelerate the NCAA to finalize a lot of these, you know, in flight likeness deals, like you said, with, you know, being able to make, make money off your likeness while in school because the G league is kind of forcing their hand in that, you know, it's like, the, this is the value of these players. They deserve this much. And then, you know, it'll force the NCAA to kind of have action in order to not lose a, a big chunk of those players, or at least have something to compete with that offer. So, mm-hmm. so it'll be, it'll be an interesting time. I think it's, it's a uh, unprecedented time for sure going into oh, wow. Um, one, one last thing I wanted to, to touch on this topic yeah. in how, like we, like I I'm pro for kids doing like what's best in their careers. So like, I, I like that they're going somewhere where they can get their like image rights. But on the, the other hand, I mean, how much better is Zion Williamson's brand because he went to Duke and did what he did on a really big stage like with millions of people watching. I mean, I was watching his highlights last night and when I watch Zion, I get like this like giddiness to me because I'm just watching someone special and his block against Virginia, a few, um, was still one of the single greatest basketball plays. I've seen. Do you, do you remember the block I'm talking yeah, about? Insane. It just, and if he does that in the G league, that that's a like, tweet that ESPN sends out that gets 15,000 retweets and people are like, Oh man, he's going to be a stud. But this was like, but it became a viral moment. Yeah. It, it, it takes it from, wow, this guy's going to be a player to this guy's a phenomenon. Right. And, and you're not going to replicate March madness in the G league setting. You're not going to replicate a lot of the unique things that make college basketball special and the college basketball brand very valuable as valuable as it is so you're right where it's just like it changes it from like zion is a f- worldwide phenomenon going into the nba to where he's at the g league you're like wow this guy is going to be something and you're still just waiting for him to be on a stage that is on the same level as like college and nba because those guys own the stage right now and g league just simply doesn't have the same breadth yet as of that yeah. now if like the um now if the nba allows like one and duns and say the top five or six or um just gets rid of the one and done rule and mm-hmm. just top guys go pro and the second tier are going g league i could see a scenario where it's a bigger issue but 
right now. No. Fair enough. I, I want to get to the. Uh, I want to make sure we have time for what I what I really wanted to talk about. Yes, today. yes, we do have time. Let's let's jump into it right now. Now is the perfect time. Okay. Cool. Intro it, Harry. What are, what, what are you What are you psyched about? You are chomping at the bit. You are foaming cool. at the mouth to talk about this guy. I'm uh, I'm going to place just a regular, very strong opinion that. Michigan needs to go after JT Daniels. I think he is a stud. I think he is a program-changing talent. And I don't care who you have with where we are in college football right now. If you don't have an incumbent starter that was t- like in the upper echelon of college football the previous year, like maybe top 30 to 40 quarterbacks, you have to be on the lookout for quarterback play with where the transfer market is. It doesn't matter as much in terms of depth purposes. If losing the QB room because they bring in a better quarterback is a negligible difference because the, if our starting quarterback gets hurt, no matter what we're in a bit of trouble and I can sell you on JT Daniels easily, but I am just all on board with JT Daniels. Okay. Let's uh let's intro JT Daniels here real quick. He he was the number what was he? Number six overall recruit in the class of twenty eighteen, sixteen overall on uh the composite. So he was number two pro style quarterback. Um obviously number three quarterback. Yep. He went to Golds and uh Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. And he went to obviously he was USC. Uh, won the job his true freshman year. He put up, uh, what was it? He made 11 starts, threw for 2,600 yards, 14 touchdowns. And then in 2019, he suffered ACL injury in week one. And then at that time, uh, true freshman um, Slovis, Kendon Kedon? Kedon Slovis. Kedon Slovis uh, kind of blew up and threw for 3,500 yards and 30 touchdowns. So, situation where you know tough really tough situation for JT Daniels you know tearing your ACL as the starter and then you know true freshman comes in and produces really well um so heading into 2020 a lot of uncertainty for JT Daniels so it makes sense you know as you said there's the guy for a program and now Slovis is that guy so JT Daniels looking for a different destination so I'm gonna play devil's advocate to you Mr. Hillman. Steve, let, let me just make one one quick yes, point. Yes, go for it. You know, it was um, more impressive than JT Daniels winning the job as a uh, true freshman. What's that? When JT Daniels won the job as a high school senior after he reclassified and went to spring ball. Interesting. He was he was 17 years old when he made his first start. That's that's a young, young he was, lad. <laughs> he was the number one quarterback in the class of 2019. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's uh that's impressive, and and you can't like there's nothing to say to that besides like that is impressive at that young to win that job. I mean you're seeing more and more the ability of young guys being able to lead programs. That's just how how it it is today. That's the landscape. So yeah, absolutely. So I'm playing devil's advocate here. You've had you've had McCaffrey in the system now for what this is going on to his redshirt junior year. Um, you have Joe Milton, a raw athlete coming in. You've had a couple of years to shape him. 
don't you think this is a, or how is this not a huge negative in terms of the ability for Harbaugh to identify elite quarterback talent? And I know you mentioned it briefly, but isn't there value in, or a negative value in consistently bringing in transfers for your quarterback room that has to have an impact and why so why is that not a big impact for you it doesn't it doesn't and and you know you know what the biggest um you mentioned that bringing in transfers could be used as a negative against jim harbaugh you know what the biggest negative against him is what's that no win against ohio state yeah that's fair that is if you if you want to say his number one priority should be beating ohio state and then you say, no, he should not go after the better player because uh, he should stick with the guys he recruited. Then it's you're asking for two separate things here. Yeah. In Because look at Oklahoma. Three straight uh, Heisman uh, – or not three straight – yeah, three straight Heisman, right? Yeah. Wait. Because Baker – no, no, not three straight. Hurts went. Hurts went. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was thinking, because Baker had an insane year the year before. Yep, yep. And, and, okay, so it was three straight transfer quarterbacks. Right. Two right. of them won the Heisman. Yep. They still got the number one uh, quarterback in the country, Spencer Rattler, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. They're leading for like one of the six five-star quarterbacks in next year's class, an insane class for quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, shout out J.J. McCarthy. Mm-hmm. And they're still recruiting at a really high level because they're winning. They are developing quarterbacks. They're sending them into the NFL. And in this day and age in college football, you're probably going to have to recruit elite players twice. Right. And so if he's able to recruit JT Daniels. That is still recruiting. Yeah. Like it's not just JT Daniels spinning a wheel and saying, oh, where am I going to go? Or looking at depth charts. He's going to get recruited. Right. And Michigan was in his top two. They lost out to USC, which is tough for a modern-day quarterback. Um, and if he gives you a better chance, like to hell with McCaffrey and Milton, you play the best player. And if he comes and he's not the best player, then don't play him. It's like right. it's that easy. It's uh, If you blow a scholarship, like just trying to go after like an elite talent – so be it because the upside is so high. Yeah. You don't have to guarantee him the starting job. Right. And I'm, I was strictly playing devil's advocate because I'm hundred percent in agreement with you. So are you, are you hold on just because this was the most impressive part of him to me. Sure. November 24th, 2018 USC Notre Dame. A five and six USC team yeah. going up in, against an eleven and zero Notre Dame team that needs to win to right. make the college football playoff. Yep. In elite defense, by the way. Yep. Thirty-seven to fifty-one, three hundred and fifty yards, touchdown, no interceptions. It's a good game. Twenty-four yeah. seventeen against elite Notre Dame team as an eighteen-year-old true freshman. Yeah. You can sign me up for that. He got progressively better last year. Yeah. You look, he had a really rough game against an elite Utah defense. He had a really rough game against an elite Stanford defense. Played really well against a decent Texas defense. And he picked it up against um like the back half of the schedule, really cut down on his mistakes and was able to start throwing the ball further down the field. I yeah. mean, 
he um he's made serious strides yeah and he is game tested he is battle tested he has more experience than Milton and McCaffrey combined so he's really 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 good yeah and and I'm, honestly I don't even care if he's if he's good or not okay mm-hmm. let me let me st- state that and whenever I hear arguments against this in the future my main thing will be if it were any other position would you have a problem with this and more often than not the answer is going to be no Michigan has a really good running back room right now really really good running back room I am extremely happy with the recruits. I'm extremely happy with the upside of that position group. If there was a really established sophomore running back looking for a transfer and Michigan had a spot, I'm giving it to him at any position. If there's, if there's a guy, and, and I don't think you see nearly the amount of pushback if it's not a quarterback, where like anyone wants to add depth at any position if there's a experienced Power 5 starter with plus upside if it's any other position right now other than quarterback no one is batting an eye at this the only reason is because of how poor michigan's quarterback play has been and obviously everyone will say the favorite you know favorite player on a team is the backup quarterback and that's exactly what this is all about for me where if jt daniels comes in and he's a third string great Great. That means that McCaffrey's better. Milton's better. That they're, you know, better quarterbacks. If JT Daniels starts, you have two experienced guys in McCaffrey, or not experienced, but two guys who have been in the system for a while in McCaffrey and Milton. I think the one issue I see is that it was seen as Shea Patterson not being the best guy for the Michigan job last year, but because he transferred, that's why he was given the priority. And I think that's the only argument that anyone can possibly have for this is if JT Daniels is to come to Michigan, it wouldn't be a true meritocracy where the best guy would win the job. And that the that and that's where I think there's valid concern. I, I mean I, I see where you're coming from on that end. Right. But on the other, I, I don't think that's that's as true. I mean Shea Patterson was easily the best player for the job his first year in Michigan after Wilton Spate grad transferred. It was uh, it was basically him or Brandon Peters. Yeah, or John O'Corn. Oh no, John O'Corn was gone by. Yeah, he was gone. Um, so it was basically him or, or Brandon Peters. Yeah. So I think they made the right move on that end, and he looked really, really good towards the end of. Um, what was it, 2018 or 2019? Whatever his first year was. 2018. 2018, yep. And he got hurt a bit, and it just, it was whatever. Yeah. But he, there was a lot of confidence in him. He, he took a big step back his senior year. I, I think there's a little bit of revisionist history that, like, Shea was never good. Shea was very good at He was time. good. Yeah, he was good. He the the big issue with Shea was whether it was he regressed too much because he didn't take quarterback as seriously, or that oblique injury was bigger than we thought. Uh, he he struggled to open his senior year when a lot of those narratives like are getting written. Sure, he he wasn't a bad quarterback. No, 
he uh, definitely didn't live up to the potential. I, I would say I was definitely disappointed. Right. But I think the disappointment comes with uh, how highly regarded he was. And, I mean, all we have to do is look at what the, the big knock on LSU for so long can't beat Bama, can't uh, recruit um, – can't develop highly like touted quarterbacks, like, like great athletes never puts it together. And then all of a sudden they get Joe Burrow and their entire program changed. They are now one of the top three programs in college football. Yeah. And they were always up there, but they were in a spot where Michigan was in where they were kind of just like the second tier in the conference. Sure. And then all of a sudden, all it takes is like that transfer. Yep. I mean, same yeah. thing, Ohio State and Justin Fields. Like, if Justin Fields isn't there, like, you go after, like, the best guy. Like, how much did Baker Mayfield do for uh, Oklahoma's reputation? Right. It's uh, the number one thing. Like, if you can get an elite talent. And I think from being able to start at USC as a 17-year-old true freshman, I think it's safe to say he has elite talent. Right. Yep. Right. But whether he puts it all together – I mean, I think it's a different situation. Sure. I also see a lot of people saying don't do it because, like, they're putting all their eggs in the J.J. McCarthy basket. Right. And it's you realize he's going to be a, a senior next year, right? Yeah. Like, he, he's not going to be at Michigan next year. Right. So even if J.T. Daniels is good enough, like, to win the job outright, like, there's going to be an incumbent starter no matter what. So right. I don't see that as an issue whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, and it's it's funny if you if LSU got JT Daniels, people would be like, "Well, here we go again. This is you know like transfer quarterback comes in, LSU is going to be the favorites." Like we've seen this story before, and it's like just the exact opposite for Michigan fans right now because it's like, well, here comes a highly regarded five star transfer quarterback, just like Shea Patterson. Well, we're screwed, right? It, it's flawed logic just because Joe Burrow's Justin Fields worked out for Ohio State and. On the flip side, just because Shea Patterson, you know, didn't lead Michigan to, you know, conference title and playoff appearance, whatever it may be, that doesn't, you know, there's not a correlation with the success of a program with a transfer quarterback, right? Because it, it could be a different fit. It could be, you know, programs in different places, the team around the quarterback. There's so many factors where I think it's just, you know, people seeing how Shea Patterson and, you know, John O'Connor was a transfer. So it's like just because those things went negatively, you know, there's a story for the flip side of like an LSU, Ohio State, Oklahoma that could tell a different story. It's so insanely high that you do it every time. But you know where he'll probably just end up going? He'll probably go to Washington and like beat us week one. Yeah. (laughs) That'd be hilarious. Washington and beat us. That's probably what's going to happen. Oh, that'd be great. He's like, I think the number seven quarterback pro style quarterback in like the last 20 years um he uh he's an elite talent and again the upside is so high yeah that if like you like take that bullet every single time yep yeah i think for me best case scenario jt daniels goes to michigan that'd be a that'd be amazing I'm, i'm on board with that as well and is the backup to dylan mccaffrey I would oh, cool. lose my mind if that's the case, man. Because because you know what that shows me? That shows that McCaffrey is the real deal, that you know it's ready for it to be his time. And then if we get into a situation like, you know, the previous few years at Michigan where Michigan quarterback gets hurt, 
you have JT freaking Daniels behind him ready to go. So that's what I would, I would almost say best case is Joe Milton's the starter. Ooh, that'd be crazy. That, that'd be best case. That'd oh my goodness. Crazy. Dude, <laughs> if, if Joe, like, like I, I, I liked where your mind was heading, yeah. but I think, um, if Joe Milton, like we're looking at an absolute dream scenario and he's the starter because he just beats him out. Not any, like, not that they like stink or get hurt. Right. Like then Michigan's going to win the national title. Like, <laughs> right. I'm saying that. like if we have Cam Newton reincarnated, like I feel pretty comfortable that we'd be able to win a national title. Yeah. That'd be an insane quarterback room. I can only dream so much. Let's start with having a football season first before, <laughs> before yeah. I get there. Yeah. But I, I've also rationalized if, uh, if the football season gets canceled, yeah. I, I've spin zoned it. Cause you know, you, you know, what's going to happen I don't. when the football season gets canceled. No, I don't know. <laughs> All college players will just be able to do, just go pro because, like, it's an extra year. So Justin Fields is gone. Ooh. Justin Fields will be out of here. Yeah. We'll never see him again. I like he, that. <laughs> dude, you got you to gotta think long term. Harbaugh <laughs> doesn't, doesn't have to lose another game. Sure. Right? We don't get all miserable. We can talk ourselves into Michigan for an extra year. Wow. And then, like, Ohio State has to start someone that's never um, – that's never like played. Right. Yeah. You know what? I don't care how good Ryan day is. They're not upgrading from Justin Fields. Here's the thing, man. I, I, I like this scenario, you know, in the worst case where this actually happens, I like that. Here's the nightmare to your dream here. JT Daniels goes to Ohio state. <laughs> oh, no, 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 that that's been um, JT Daniels makes his decision soon comes to Michigan Yes. And then they cancel it in August. So then they probably just like end up with JJ McCarthy again. Okay. And then he beats us four straight years <laughs> and four Heismans. And uh and Ohio State coach Brian Hartline is uh is called the next uh Nick Saban. <laughs> and they just every time something goes against them, they upgrade everything. I'm so <laughs> This is a nightmare. It's a nightmare. No, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> All right, Harry. We, we're at 45 minutes here. I say we have another call next week to go over recruiting. Uh, you know, there's been a couple commits. We had TJ Guy out of uh, Massachusetts commit that I want to talk about next week. Um, mm-hmm. So we got we got time to talk to about guys. Hopefully, you know, we can talk about uh, how – you know, the season is not canceled. We'll see where that comes. We'll just get rid of Florida altogether and go from there. So <laughs> that's yeah, all we I, can uh, do. Can you hear me? My computer's acting really weird right now. Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. Okay, cool. So my video is just not working, so that's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I think that sounds good. I think I was able to go for rabbit holes today to just, like, clear the clutter in my head be able to just get some of my out there opinions off my chest and uh and i think using next week to uh get down and dirty with some of these guys will be good we can talk about oh by the way can, can you still hear me yep yep close some of these tabs now that yeah the 247 interface takes up so much like website energy <laughs> website like, energy <laughs> Well, I mean, my my Mac is. Uh, we'll get some some tech talk for the people. There you go. Uh, but my Mac is like seven years old, so well, it's uh, it's, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But um, what was I gonna say? 
Oh, you, you did your uh, recruiting project. Number one, Blake Corum. Yep. Uh, what do you think? What do you think? Oh man, he's he's great. I'm I'm really excited for him. He's uh, yeah. My comparison for him, uh, guy out of out of Washington. Oh my gosh, I forget Miles or Miles uh, Miles Gaskin out of Washington was my Ooh. comparison for him. Um, but but Blake Corum runs harder than Miles Gaskin ever did. He was you know seventh round pick. Yep. Seventh round you know, pick that set a lot of records from the Northeast that ran really, really hard. I, I dude, I called you out in the video. It was Mike Hart. I called it out. I linked it in the bio. Um, Blake Corms is way too athletic for that man. Way too athletic for that comparison. I think, dude, I think people sleep on Mike Hart's athleticism. Yeah. I really do. I think he he was an elite athlete. You know what it was? He had way too big of shoulder pads. <laughs> if Mike Hart downsized in shoulder pads, because Mike Hart looked kind of clunky, but he, he wasn't. No, you're like, right. He, he was elite at. Uh, I wouldn't say elite. He was a really good athlete at the combine. Like I, I think I genuinely think if Mike Hart wears smaller shoulder pads, you agree with me. I think you're letting your eyes and not your brain. Hold on, let me let me Google something real quick. I'm gonna go on mute because my my uh, keyboard is a okay. just the loudest in the world. Okay. So welcome to the uh, Harry Hillman Power Hour. Steve is giving me the next 60 seconds to talk about whatever. And uh, first I'd like to talk about you're MLB crazy. The Show. Hold on, you're MLB crazy. The show. No, I'm not. Dude. MLB The Show, great game. No, Love. not about that. No, I know. But if I – hold on. If I say it on the podcast, I can write it off. <laughs> MLB The Show, great game. Um, I played a lot. I've been actually playing with David Arnold. So, uh, business expense right there. I'm paying my Xbox live off, uh, with, uh, just talking with David on there or no PlayStation or whatever. Yeah. Um, PlayStation network, whatever. All right. Yeah. I don't know. It's my brother's PlayStation, but I'm you just right. You want to know what you're crazy okay, about. So how am I crazy outside of using a podcast to write off a video game? Your statement was that Mike Hart was a great athlete and he tested really well at the combine what was his 40 time wasn't it like four five four? Oh, you're way off oh is you're it four seven off. it's four seven seven what no way well okay but he ran a bad he ran a bad 40 hold on a bad 40 for blake quorum would be a four six and okay. that's bad okay mike hart i don't know maybe he had like the flu or something <laughs> here's he the thing Mike Hart was a great collegiate running back with excellent vision, excellent juke moves. He had plus athleticism in terms of his juke moves, his uh, agility. I'll give you his agility. I'll give you that. His long speed, dreadful, dreadful. And Blake Corum has 4.44 speed. And that is elite. The only guys who are like above that are the Saquon Barkleys of the world who post okay, but, like a 4.4. Okay. Let me, let me push back a little bit on this. Okay. You take into account that Blake Corum will probably need to put on a little bit of weight to um, be an every down back. He, he's got the frame to put on, like he's, he's probably what? 185. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. He's about okay, that. That's a solid weight, but that's a big step up from like, he's, he's a bit of an undersized guy, which I don't think is an issue because he, he's got that build where he can get really thick, but unless he's like going the Darren Sproles route, 
I do think he needs to put on some weight. And when you get a little bit heavier, like unless he is just like the most insane athlete of the Saquon Barkley levels, there's like a chance that he slows down at least a little bit from some of that top end speed. That's fair. That's fair. He, so, he's... Like, I think the Mike Hart thing is more of how I'm looking at how he's going to have to play in college. Sure. As opposed to what he is right now. Sure. So I think I'm looking at it more as opposed to what college player do I think he's going to have a similar career as, as opposed to which college player do I think his skill set like emulates the most right now. Fair enough. If he's going um, to say like the Big 12 views, going to play at like Oklahoma, I'd agree more with you. Right. But from what I understand and what I've heard, he's going to be used as an every down back. Sure. Because he's that good. Yep. And I just think if you're getting tackled by 240-pound, like, insane athletes every single play, you're probably going to want to get up to, like, maybe 200, 205. Yeah. And I think if he, what he loses in some of that, probably what he'll lose in some of that extreme top-end speed, he'll make up for it in durability and ability to bounce off guys a bit more. Yep. That's fair. He, he is listed at 193 on his profile, so he's, he's close. He, he's close. And I think given his... You know, he's at St. Francis, so that's a huge program playing the IMGs, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Miami Centrals of the world. I And that's, you know, your concern of his size is definitely like the biggest question mark of, you know, if he will be able to be that every down back. That schedule he played alleviates that quite a bit for me if, you know, rather than being a guy from Michigan or, you know, not playing the national schedule. So I think your everything you said is, is correct. I'm... Uh, I'm more on the train already than you are. I, I need to see less for me to be convinced. But, I mean, you're already giving him the Mike Mike Hart. Uh... No, I think he's going to be, like, a star day one. Like, yeah. I don't think he's someone that necessarily, like, needs to develop, like, to play. I think he's someone that's going to, like, naturally have that progression. Right. Yeah. As he, like, picks up a bigger workload. I think he's going to see, like, serious playing time, like, like right out of the gate. I think sure. he's a stud. But I also think that the more of the workload that he carries and the more snaps he's on the field, he's going to want to naturally say, okay, like if I need to be like on the field more, I think I need to like put on 15 pounds of muscle. Right. Mike Hart was 175 coming out of high school. Yeah. Yeah, I I think if he wants to run the ball 30 times a game, which I have no like issue with that. Um, he probably wants to put on a little bit of weight. Yep. He wants to be more of like the uh, Chris Evans, um, f- like ten, seven to eight carries, five or six catches, then he doesn't. But I think he's he wants to be more of the first. Yep. And he'll have some time given the running back room currently. He'll have he'll have the time with a redshirt year. I would expect for him to uh, to have that just because it's a it's a crowded room. Okay. For, yeah. for episode two of recruit review, I want you to start reviewing Jared Wilson's tape because this guy coming in is a literal clone of Jared Wilson um, for the 2020 class. So really excited. I'm not going to name names, but you'll, you'll find them. Okay. So just, um, I, just so I know, because we, we may have a couple different um, variables of uh, like how we compare guys. Are you saying that you think his high school film is very similar to Jared Wilson's, or are you saying that 
you think he could be Jared Wilson in college? I think he is a literal clone in every sense of the player. And I often don't say that, but this guy is Jared Wilson's clone <laughs> in terms okay, of me- measurables, think, measurables, rankings, outlook, and everything. But I think I think we might um, have the exact same um, uh, Jared Wilson comparison. Do you know who I'm talking about, Harry? I might. I might. I'm, I'm looking through my notes right now. Because I, I, I gave a Jared Wilson because I'm like, this is too perfect. Yeah. It, it was uncanny. He's a, a, a lengthy safety. Um, Last year's class, right? 2020, yep. Oh, 2020? Yeah, the 2020 class. Oh. Early enrollee. No, so that would be – oh, no, 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 20, we're in 2021 right now. Right. Yeah, okay, we're, okay, we're yeah, old. That's, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I um... – Makari Page. Now, oh, that, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Midwest guy too. Yeah. Because yeah. It, it wasn't Morant. No, no, Morant is, is like 6'1", I think. No, yeah, I uh, Makari Page in terms of the, the lengthy – oh, that'll be um... – you know what? Actually, I was thinking of Jared Wilson. I think. Let me make sure because I couldn't find it. What? It might have been. I might have given him a Channing Stribling. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, because I mean, I think I think I will really like his ability to shift into a corner. He his man to man skills for his safety are yeah, extremely I, high. I, think I gave him Channing Stribling. That could be interesting. He's yeah. He, he's more. Uh, he's more dependable then yeah i see him as a true safety strictly because of his instincts he had such good instincts in his film and his tackling ability was so high but that stribbling is not a bad comparison no i i I see i see what what your comparison is coming from and we can get into the nitty-gritty a bit more Mm -hmm. next week but um but i just think with his length it's something they may they may decide to use that if they can get like if you can get elite cornerback play out of someone that's six three one eighty like that's hard to come by. Give him like enough reps there that he can be a bit more covery than uh, Jared Wilson. Sure. Or yeah, Jared Wilson. Yep. My brain is a little fried. <laughs> My brain is fried as well. So let's end it there, Harry. Uh, good podcast here, about an hour. So talked about a lot. Um, any any final words? What what do you got going on tonight? Anything fun planned for the rest of this yeah, I, um, this weekend? I've been- uh, starting to organize my own uh, poker games online. I set up a Zoom call for the tables. Uh, we've got one of the tournaments tonight. They're usually $20 buy-ins. Nice. Uh, it's just nice to talk with the boys and pretend like everything's normal for a bit, drink like a couple adult beverages. So that starts at 7.30. There you uh, go. Going to get a bit of a workout in in between. And uh, just make sure you're, you're nice to people. If you're, if you're ordering – food on Grubhub. Leave a good tip. I saw uh some story that um delivery people are getting tipped less than like getting zeros less than ever because there's less face to face contact. Like be nice. Like yep. understand like you're going through a tough time, but they're going through a tough time too. Yeah. Because they have to work. They have to uh put themselves at risk. Uh and they gotta pay because they gotta pay their bills. Right. Just give them a tip. Like Yep. Be nice to people and like call your parents. Yep. 
I'll tell you, man, I was picking up some, some dinner last night and it is hell out there picking up orders. It's a, it's a nightmare. You know, restaurants are scrambling to get organized for, you know, the, the tough times and the delivery drivers are, you know, obviously really stressed out with, you know, the different complications that, that it Mm -hmm. brings. So, so I totally agree with that sentiment. And, uh, you know, if, if push comes to shove at the very least, just, you know, be human. <laughs> I feel like we're forgetting that we're all, we're all people. We're into this like, together. Everyone, like, be nice to people. Yeah. Like, don't like, don't go be an idiot on social media. Yeah. Um, like be nice to people, like make the world a better place. I know it sounds very like hippie, like just love <laughs> everyone, but it's like, no, you don't have to love everyone. Like you can like despise like a lot of people, Fair. but just like be nice. Yeah. Like you, you can just say like, okay, my list of enemies, like, I still despise these people, right. but if they deliver me food on Grubhub, I'm going to give them a 40% tip because I'm a nice person. Right. And, and if still you, despise them though. Yep. And if you need to be angry with anyone on social media, throw it my way. I have experience with that in the past week. I'll be able to handle it. So <laughs> my, 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 my little tip for getting out frustrations yes. via Twitter, burner Twitter account, uh, follow no one you know. And just like go start yelling like at like <laughs> politics bots and just like getting out that aggression. Like I'm serious. Pro like, tip. Just go, just go yell at like other like faceless accounts and like Trump or Hillary's mentions or whatever. And just go to the most toxic place ever and get all of that out. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Pro tips here from from Harry Hillman. You can find him on Twitter at Harrison Quinn 90. You can find me on Twitter at Steven Toski. Harry, thanks for joining. We'll talk next week. We'll dive into recruiting a little bit. Otherwise, have a great rest of your weekend, bud. Win some poker money. Absolutely. Always. All right, buddy. Take it easy. Bye.